Powerful at Work Radio, Episode 16. Welcome to Powerful at Work Radio, the podcast for professionals who see their work as a calling. I'm your host, Rosa Ponce de Leon, and together we'll explore how people can position themselves to make a real difference with their work. We will cover topics ranging from leadership to emotional wellness to what true power looks like and everything in between. If you're ready to do work differently, tune in and join the movement. Now let's get after it. John Baldoni is a globally recognized leadership educator, certified master corporate executive coach, and author of 14 books that have been translated into 10 languages. John's books include Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us, Moxie, The Secret to Bold and Gutsy Leadership, Lead with a Purpose, Lead Your Boss, and The Leader's Pocket Guide. John's books have been translated into 10 languages. In 2018, Inc.com named John a top 100 speaker and Trust Across America honored John with its Lifetime Achievement Award for Trust. In 2019, Global Gurus ranked John number nine on its list of top 30 global leadership experts, a list John has been on since 2007. In 2014, Inc.com listed John as a top 50 leadership expert. John is also a member of the renowned Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches, a group of executive coaches and thought leaders from worlds of business, academia, and social service. John established a career as a highly sought after executive coach, where he has had the privilege of working with senior leaders in virtually every industry from pharmaceutical to real estate, packaged goods to automobiles, and finance to healthcare. John has authored more than 700 leadership columns for a variety of online publications, including Forbes, Harvard Business Review, and Inc.com. John also produces and appears in a video coaching series for SmartBrief, a news channel with over 4 million readers. John is also the host of LinkedIn Live's Grace Under Pressure interview series. All right, John, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I couldn't wait to interview you. Well, thank you, Rosa. It's a pleasure for me to be here, and uh, I admire your work, and thank you. Likewise. I'm so, I, I can't keep up with all your work. I, I just started. So, but we're going to hear a little bit about from someone like you who has such depth in, in, in the world of leadership, such a presence, such a, a, an impact to, to the world. And we're closing off 2020 here. I wanted to have a moment with you to see what your thoughts are moving forward. What type of leadership is needed? Well, that's a, that's a good question, Rosa. And um, when I'm asked about leadership and how it's evolved, I, I always try to give a, an answer that's on the surface, it sounds flippant, but I don't mean it so. In other words, nothing's changed in leadership. But of course, what has changed over, the time, over time has been um, the de-emphasis of hierarchy, entrance of women in genuine leadership roles, and of course, globalism and the speed of, of the velocity of change. Those are all contextual. What it takes to lead is the same. But when we're in tough times, it takes more of it. Uh, you have it, it, a leader is because we're, we've been in 24 7 for a long time, leaders don't really get to turn off. And that's where self care you know, enters. But now, of course, in our time of pandemic, with the horrible year we've had, um, the buzzword, and it shouldn't be, I use the term as a buzzword, but it shouldn't be, it's empathy. And mm. empathy is that ability to connect and to feel others. But as you know, Rosa, from a leadership standpoint, 
leaders act on empathy. It's not that I just feel your pain, Rosa. I'm going to do something about it. And whatever that is, I'm going to put myself out to do it. It's going to sound silly, but my favorite part of the movie um, uh, Wonder Woman is when Wonder Woman walks into the community and she's so impacted by what she sees. And you can tell she's just having this profound impact into her heart. And she and you can tell that's what motivates her. Uh, and can you talk a little bit more? Because some people would see empathy as a vulnerability, but you're saying this is leadership. So talk about oh, yeah. it as a strength. Yeah, I don't, uh, well, first of all, I, I, uh, vulnerability is what le- people want. V- vulnerability in a leader is an expression of humanity. Uh, uh, hum- mm. Excuse me. It's an expression of humanity. Yes. It's an expression of humility and humility in leaders brings people toward you. A, a leader who is humble is a centered leader who is comfortable in her skin. She knows what she can accomplish. She knows what she can't. She knows whom to call upon. Uh, Mother Teresa would be a classic example of someone who's a, you wow. know, um, a humble leader. Uh, and then, but and she's uh, uh, vulnerability is that sense that we're all in this together. We are human uh, and we are going to um, whatever happens, we'll stick together. So that's where I think and empathy is the fact, just as your example of Wonder Woman is what do I do with this pain that I see? How can I from a leadership standpoint, how do I ameliorate it? Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, so it, uh, and that's why I think it's, people want that in their leaders now, especially when we're working virtually, uh, and, 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 you know, not the same locations. We don't see people. We're isolated. I mean, assuming I'm talking about the office worker type, but um, so it's a different. And even if you're working physically with other people, you're removed from them for due to physical distancing challenges. So, um, and so we're in kind of a, a crazy upside down world. So I would say leadership is more important than ever. And but we need leaders who are humble, who are vulnerable, who are empathetic. At the same time, leaders who are willing to face the challenges and, and use ad- adversity as um, something to be overcome with the efforts of others on the team. So. Yeah, and, and to your point of, of with the efforts of others, because we no leader can do anything alone. And, and when you're talking about empathy, uh, as a way to be humble and as a way to connect with others, that depth of connection can't be acquired any other way until people see your humanity. And then they can jump on board with the vision of how to solve this adversity. So would you say that that's something that for leaders who are struggling in that area, what would be the first step? Acknowledge that you're not in this alone. Um, that you, that there are people around you who can help, who want to help. It's a matter of letting go. Um, and these are really management principles. Uh, you know, so often we see a first time manager who hasn't been properly trained and sadly <laughs> too, too, too few managers are properly trained. They, their first right. assumption, Rosa, and you know, this is that I have to do my job and then quote, tell everyone else what they have to do. Well, that's not management. <laughs> you know, um, that's, you know, that's being a, a boss. So, yeah. uh, but it's, 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 it leads to excess 
excessive hours and burnout and things like that. So for leaders is to look around the team, who, what strengths do I have or what strengths does the team have? How can I coalesce people? And the way we do it is through our purpose. What, why are we here in this job? What's the purpose of our organization? And purpose becomes our lodestone. Purpose becomes our, uh, points us in the right direction. It leads to our um, Simon Sinek has said, you know, purpose is our why um, mm. and purpose. Uh, and from that, we create our vision, which is our sense of becoming our mission, which is our doing. And here's my big thought uh, about grace. Grace complements um, purpose because while purpose is our why, grace is our how, how we bring people together. Um, you know, I can, I can run my company, I can run my team in spite of people, but how much better is it to work with people? And that's where our values come in. Values are our sense of belonging. Um, and grace, which I describe as the catalyst for the greater good, facilitates that connection. So... Let's talk about grace a little more because I know you wrote a book about it and I, I want to exploit the fact that you that you really spent all this time because grace is amazing. I, I, I think, you know, growing up in a very competitive society where rightly we, we're very merit oriented and, you know, you got to achieve in order to get into college and you just you're just put into this path and perfectionism takes over. Like if I don't get that perfect score, if I don't get that perfect thing and you just hit the grind and like that manager that comes in and just feels like has to own this whole thing and tell everybody what to do. Like it's got to be perfect. Can you talk more about grace and how it's actually better to be graceful? <laughs> well, actually what you described <laughs> is, is a pathology <laughs> in the sense of okay. perfectionism. Um, and you're absolutely right, Rosa. Many hard charging people um, strive for perfectionism and it will kill them. <laughs> and if it doesn't yeah. kill them physically, it will kill their career. Or if it doesn't kill their career, it kills the careers of other people around them because it's absolutely. because we can never be perfect. As, you know. Um, so um, the sense of where grace is, is that um, catalyst for greater good. And it's that an ability, grace, uh, you know, is given to us with no strings attached. It's what we do with it. So how can I make things better for people around me? Um, that doesn't mean that you're a pushover or a rollover. Or, um, and um, I, going back to the example of uh, Mother Teresa, um, this was a very strong-willed woman. <laughs> Nobody pushed her around, but yet she right. acted with grace because that was a mission of her, uh, um, certainly of her uh, charity. But also, um, you know, she was all about creating opportunities for people to come together and devote their service or become volunteers as she was, you know, so in a religious order, but that's where, you know, grace is, um, I'm always learning more things about it. It's, I think about it as facilitative and enables us to come together in a spirit of harmony and unity. And um, it kind of takes the pressure off in some ways. Um, grace becomes a centeredness to us. You know, people who are very, I will say, use the term full of goodness. And generally they know what they can do and they go about and do it. They don't become over-invested in any one outcome. They do the best they can and they move on and help as many people as they possibly can. Now, grace in the workplace is a different dynamic, but it means 
being a better colleague, being a better boss? How can I help you do your job more effectively, Rosa? How can I be a better collaborator for you? I'm not meddling in your work because that's, you know, that's the opposite of grace. But just do you need, can I be your, uh, can I, how can I be a better colleague for you? And how you define better, how you define colleague, that's up to you. But it's a sense of, if you will, open heartedness. And mm. that's, I think that's what we need more of. That's the, the part that some people find very hard because it does make them feel vulnerable. Uh, but, but we cover that a little bit. I, I think with, with the whole self-centeredness that you're describing here, it gives you the ability to kind of just loosen up, right? You, it's such a, such a liberating place to be. And when you abandon that need for perfectionism, you actually start getting traction and momentum and, and other people jumping on board. So I, I'm totally picturing this perfect place where everyone's just headed in the same direction and bringing all their talent with them. Uh, is that pretty much what you're trying to? Well, it's not, it's never perfect. And to think that it's perfect would be lead us into traps, you know, and that's, I'm glad you raised the issue because we're, uh, um, we as humans, and we all know this are frail. In other words, Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I try to live with good intentions or I do have the best of intentions. Um, but listen to me speak to customer service people, you'll think I'm the worst person on earth. (laughs) So, but I'm going to try, I'm going to do it better the next time. So in other words, we take one step forward and sometimes we take a half step back. Sometimes we take two steps back, but if we acknowledge our shortcomings and we uh, um, uh, apologize to those we've hurt and we make amends for it, that adds to our humanity. That's where our vulnerability comes in. And, you know, let's not equate leadership with sainthood. Um, Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. um, some of the best leaders, well, all of the best leaders that I know of are fully human and fully, and that means they are strong and brave and courageous and have fortitude, but they're also people of weakness. Um, Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. makes their humanity. And in some ways, um, that makes them even more human because when we see their shortcomings, we know what they have overcome. Um, and that's a power that's, that just make, that endears them more to us. And that makes it, Hey, they're like us in a way. Um, and in other words, leadership, all of us have the capacity to lead others. If we so choose, we may, may not have the title, but we can lead ourselves and we can, um, uh, be a person to be counted upon, be responsible, have exert autonomy where a corporate and most of all, hold ourselves accountable for good and for uh, our missteps. Totally. And, and I'm looking at this as a force multiplier because we're in a society where time is money. And what you're describing takes time, making time to apologize, making time to say, hey, how can I make us better? How can I help you be better? That takes time out of my schedule and effort. And what, what have we got to gain by investing in that? Well, that's a good point. It does... Leadership uh, on the human element takes effort, a lot of effort. That's why leaders need to delegate and delegate with responsibility and authority. Okay. Um, And so, but failure to do it is more costly because in a couple of ways, A, it can lead to mistakes, but it also can lead to miss opportunities. Um, How many times does a leader, a self-centered leader or a leader who's kind of trapped um, doesn't know how to reach out to his or her people is cutting 
him or herself off from a wealth of information. People on the front line know more about the problems, uh, know more about a problem, and maybe have better solutions than you do. Why? Because they're closer to it. And that's what good organizations do. You know, the classic example is something like the Ritz Carlton. Um, uh, I think you're old enough to remember, Rosa, when we used to have hotels. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, that was, you know, the delegate power to the front line, including chambermaids and stuff who are empowered to make decisions for customers. That takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a very caring culture. So people have the feeling and the freedom to make decisions in their best uh, interest. And if things backfire, then you know the company stands behind them. Southwest Airlines was a classic example of is a classic example of that. Um, but it's not just those organizations. It's organizations where uh, people. It gets back to the value proposition. Um, I know what is what are the values that values are your avenue for wanting to belong. Okay, it's why you come to work. Um, we define that as engagement and wanting to be at work. But what keeps you there? is the connection you feel toward others, which ultimately is rooted in the values of the culture. So. Well, that's beautiful I, I, because what you're describing is trusting people to do what is in front of them and not having to worry that they're gonna screw it up. They may, but we can fix it and we're gonna be okay. And that's, I think the assurance that, that people need from their leaders, because you're saying that these people knew that the company would have their back. Can you speak to that part? Because that's hard for people to, to feel like I'm just going to let them go and not control everything. Well, no, a, a, a good leader sets, you know, um, strategic intention and lives that. So right. that everyone is not doing his or her own thing, but makes it safe. So I want you to have the power to, first of all, you would help define your job description. You would also help right. define your job, what you do um, day to day. But I mean, ultimately the boss has the final uh, say on that. So it, we're not running an asylum there. But right. know that when you're operating within the strategic intention and if you in the need support, that the support is there. If you reject the support, if you ignore it, if you keep on doing your own thing, well, there are going to be consequences for that. But know that if you fail um, doing what you've been told to do, then the failure is not wholly your own. It might not be yours at all because, A, you didn't have the resource to do the job. Um, that's the failure of management. That's not a failure of an employee. But giving, that pe giving people the, the benefit of the doubt. This is where respect comes in. It's the dignity mm -hmm. of work. And looking at a person with an open heart in the sense that I know you, Rosa. I have faith in you. I believe in you. I... I have confidence in you and you, I may have more confidence in you, Rosa, than you have confidence in yourself. Now that's what a great leader does because he gets others to believe in themselves. We see this, um, I, one of my favorite stories is we see this annually in high school and college basketball tournaments where a, you know, a, a team out of nowhere that we call the Cinderella team goes to the championship or contends for in the higher ranks. And invariably, when you talk to the players, they will say, coach got us to believe. Well, yeah. and that's what the coach did. He believed in them. He gave them a game plan. The, the boys, the girls, boys and girls played the game, you know, and that's he had confidence in it. And from a team standpoint in the workplace, 
my boss believes in me and my boss believes in the team. That's a very powerful um, uh, sentiment that it pays off in the sense of we're in this together and I have your back. Yeah, you said something there about pushing people and believing in them more than they might believe in themselves and confidence, right? People aren't always feeling confidence, but when you push them, they actually step into the role. And so you talked about a, a global world that a global world, <laughs> a global push to have change happen so quickly. It's almost like we need to encourage this even more. Like just when you thought you got good at something, it's time to push it to something else. Would you describe that? Relationship, if you see it, I, I'm, I'm kind of well, wondering if that's there. Um, well, a good boss isn't going to put his people in a position where they they fail. Um, I mean, not right. deliberately going to do that, um, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, sometimes, unfortunately, because organizational dynamics, the company is, you know, pushing the team, pushing multiple teams so hard, they are going to fail. And that's so the, you know, the boss is going along with that. But generally, it's, you know, do the best you can with the resources that you have, and I have your back, and I will hold you accountable for what you do. But most importantly, I hold myself accountable. And if you fail, it's, it's um, our failure um, and it's on me, you know, um, because we didn't support you. Um, at the same time, there is a discipline within the system that you are, there's a reciprocity. If my boss has my back, I have his back. In other words, I'm going to do my best, not simply for my boss because I like him or her. I'm going to do my best for the company or the organization because they're paying me. And right. this is what they expect. Um, so right. let's not overlook the sense of reciprocity if I'm being mm -hmm. given the resources. The negative of that is if I'm not getting any support, well, you're going to get you're going to get compliance, but never commitment. So mm, totally, people just come in and and do their job as assigned. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and you talked about opportunity. Uh, what is your take on opportunity when you have that trust, when you have those boundaries in place and those those well-aligned visions and all the things you've just described in this interview? When you have all that in place, what does opportunity look like when you have all those things properly set in place? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that it's a direct um, follow through. But what I do know is that success creates opportunity. Um, mm. and, uh, because the better you do, um, you may be able to do things differently, more efficiently, more effectively, and new opportunities may arise. We also get opportunities from adversity and from failure, because if we pay attention, we go, why do we fail on this? Our intentions might have been noble, but we didn't have the resources or we didn't have the right people in place and, you know, whatever. So pay attention to circumstance and always be willing to test your assumptions and do um, um, the after action review. How did I do? What can I do better? Um, that will sense creates new opportunities if, if it's there. So. That's a great point. Uh, do you find when people do those after action reviews that, that they're difficult for people to be completely honest because they don't want to admit where they've screwed up or, or, uh, or if they're people well, struggling it's a good with point. That. After action review isn't always about a negative. It's what went right as well as went wrong. And this right. is where the boss comes involved. If the boss, it, you know, 
um, admits the shortcomings, then it makes it easier for other people. But if the boss says it's your fault, well, then you're going to be covering yourself. <laughs> you're not right. going to be very honest. Um, but that's not what an after action review is supposed to be. Um, could it devolve into that? Of course. Does it happen? I'm sure it does. But that's not the <laughs> point of it, because why would you even do it, really? You know, so. Yeah. Um, no, I love that you're connecting it to an opportunity because that's exactly how I, I, I view them as well. And I've seen when they're well done, too. Uh, that they they do create opportunities because people get excited. They're like, get, let me have this again. I think we can do it better. It creates excitement. That's a good point. Um, and and you raise a good thing, the emotional quote, uh, the emotional quotient of success. That's why we say success breeds success because feel people feel more confident. And so they want to, um, they're excited about what they do. And if they have a purpose, uh, a larger purpose that they feel fulfilled, they're going to continue to commit to it. So. Well, I've learned a ton. I've got a ton of notes that I'll have to go back and review, but leave us with a closing thought of for leaders that are seeing what's going on around them and they feel that they've got, you know, connection, they're connecting with your message and they know they want to make a change. What would be the number one thing they, they should be doing right now? Trust yourself. Um, if you have that mindset that, um, what can I do for my people? How can I, uh, put them in positions to they, so they can succeed. So if I have that mindset, Rosa, what do I need to do to, to help them do it? Do I need to provide them training? Do I need to provide them different resources? Do I need to invest more of my time or frankly, less of my time? What do I need to do to help them succeed? That's the question I would challenge every leader with um, at, at any time, but in particularly in our challenging times. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there a book that you want to uh, advertise right now to our crowd? They can jump in. Sure. Uh, well, my book, Great, uh, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Um, I welcome that. You can go to my website, which is johnbaldoni.com. There are links to the book, but I also do a LinkedIn live program called Grace Under Pressure, where I talk about the principles of grace in times of crisis. And which so it's a program for our times. I talk to thought leaders. Um, every day who are every program who are coming up with ideas about how to lead more effectively. Um, and so everyone's invited. That sounds like a perfect resource. We're going to go ahead and check that out. I really appreciate everything that you invested into us today, Don, and uh, look forward to, to looking at some of those resources. Rosa, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Powerful at Work Radio. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly teachings to shift your perspective on how to thrive in the workplace and stories from experts and career professionals who are daring to do work differently. And we want to invite you to the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast. And you can also visit us on Facebook and join the group Empower to Bloom Tribe, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your career journey and also interact with like-minded professionals. I'll see you there.